Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen, your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy beet treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut. To explore the bounds of your pleasure, new content is released every week. So in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. The way that this exoneration came to be was from a task force set up by the prosecutor's office. It mm-hmm. wasn't an innocence project or anything like that. The prosecutor herself was like, we need to start looking back at what we got wrong. And more of that, that's a really positive trend. This is Sarah. This is Beth. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics, the home of grace-filled political conversations. for joining us on this Friday. It has been a very busy week. And you know what? It has not all been bad. And we have quite a few good news stories to talk about today, in addition to some tragedy. But before we hop in to the news, we want to just remind you gently that you have 
until the end of the day today to go onto our Patreon page and vote for your favorite episode of the year. We're going to do a little something special with it next Tuesday. And so we hope that you'll participate. Thanks to everyone who's already gone over. You do not have to be a Patreon supporter to go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics and cast your vote. So before we start the good news, we did want to acknowledge the tragic shooting in Jersey City where a I mean, it was a firefight. That is the word I've used described in several news stories. It started with a police officer who was killed in a local cemetery and then the gunman moved to a kosher market where three people were killed and the two gunmen themselves were also killed by police. We are learning a lot about the postings and ideologies of the gunmen. And it's been sort of an interesting dichotomy between the way the police talk about it and the FBI talk about it and the way that the mayor of Jersey City talk about it. But there seems to be a history of anti-Semitism and the targeting of the kosher market, which is doubly heartbreaking on top of the just tragedy of any gun violence. And so our thoughts and prayers are definitely with the people of Jersey City. And with all of our friends who feel a little less safe when something like this happens, I mean, it's been Mm -hmm. a terrible year for anti-Semitic violence in the United States. And I I hate that. I hate that knowledge that people feel less safe because of things that happen even hundreds of miles away from them. So thinking of everyone in that regard and just want to give a shout out. Sarah did a nightly nuance talking about the Trump administration's actions with respect to anti-Semitism. So if you want to know more about that, you can check out our Patreon page as well. There is a lot of good news this week, and I'm excited to talk about some good news, even some good news light. And that's where we can begin in Baltimore, where St. John's Properties, a commercial real estate development firm, is splitting $10 million among its 198 employees based on their tenure as a holiday bonus. And you might think, well, why do I care about a real estate developer paying money to its employees like this? Because this is a theme that we've been talking about all year. I thought Axios summarized this really well. They said corporate America has talked a big game in 2019 about how it must do a better job of serving all stakeholders, not just investors. And here is a company actually doing it. And I think that's exciting. You should check out the link in the show notes just to see the photograph of people finding out this news. It is so fun. (laughs) I think this is a good example of... What we mean when we say good news. There have been so many think pieces criticizing the company comes together to donate sick leave or community comes together to pay for medical expenses. And I agree, you know, sometimes human beings step up and it is positive and encouraging to see them step up. And also the very fact that they need to step up is an indication that something's wrong in society. And, you know, this shouldn't be a story. All these companies should be doing this. And at the same time, you know, what I've really tried to shift my thinking on is not good news means that we fixed it, but rather good news means there's a positive trend here. And to keep people engaged and to keep people talking and to not fall down a rabbit hole of anxiety and hopelessness, we really do have to 
focus in on positive trends, not to pat ourselves on the back and say, it's we've it's we fixed it. Look, corporate America is full of charity. Moving on. That's not the point. But if we don't take a moment to encourage good behavior, to focus on positive trends, then I think we will sort of ultimately just check out. And we don't want that, especially not anywhere, but especially not here at Pantsuit Politics. And so I think this this story in particular and hopefully some of the other ones we're going to talk about today will encourage you to, you know, hold space for both the problem and the positive trend moving towards a solution. Yeah. And that St. John's Properties doesn't have to be the perfect company to have done something good here. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about St. John's Properties. If you, email, if you email me a story about something that makes my jaw drop, I will not be surprised. And it might be the most delightful place to work in history. I have no clue. I imagine, like almost every organization on earth, it sits somewhere on a spectrum, right? And mm-hmm. that is okay because it's also important to just take the win sometimes, you know, to, to not analyze the history of this company in depth to decide if they are a good or bad actor in the world, but to say, hey, here is a company that did something awesome for its people. And those people are excited. And I'm going to sit here and be excited with them. And I hope that lots of other companies follow suit. Okay, well, let's keep going with this positive trend idea. There are two stories. I mean, I just hope y'all are sitting down for this. I just hope everybody is sitting down and is prepared for this moment. There are not one but two stories coming out of Congress that I think speak to positive trends in our government. I can't even, I mean, Congress did a, th- they, they did a thing. They did something that the Trump administration worked with them on that I think is a positive trend. This U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, they, they did it together. And can you hear the shock in my voice how I just keep saying it over and over again because I can't believe it's true? I thought the Washington Post provided a really helpful summary of what the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement did to NAFTA. Because rebranded as it may be, this is NAFTA revisited. And that's good. NAFTA's pretty yeah, old now. World's I was changed saying, a lot. NAFTA's old as heck. Yes. It needs to be revisited. It, it was time to update this. And one of my Ooh. favorite things that's in the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement is that they will reconsider it in six years. And I think that's a really good, reasonable window to say, what's going on in the world economy? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look at this again. But here are some major highlights that the Washington Post drew out that I think are significant. One of the goals of this agreement from the Trump administration's perspective, and probably from Canada's and Mexico's as well, is to have more cars manufactured in North America. So now to qualify for no tariffs, 75% of the components of a car have to be manufactured in the United States, Canada, or Mexico. And a significant percentage of the work has to be done by workers making at least $16 an hour, which is about three times what most auto workers in Mexico make today. So that is a big win for the Trump administration, a very big deal. Another thing the administration really wanted is to have Mexico change its laws so that it will be easier for Mexican workers to unionize. And the reason the Trump administration, which is not like the biggest fan of labor unions, wanted this is because they think it will make labor in Mexico so much more expensive that fewer U.S. factories are going to be tempted to relocate in Mexico. 
There are also expansions when it comes to environmental protections. There are lots of new intellectual property regulations. And I think for me, when I look at this new agreement, again, is the USMCA going to fix anything? No. Let's abandon that word from our language when we talk about legislation and Congress in general. But I think it's a positive trend. And not just that they they increased labor protection, increased environmental protections, added intellectual property regulations. It's that both sides were willing to give each other a win. That, to me, is very encouraging. That even in the midst of impeachment, now, is this probably self-centered and that both sides want to look like they're doing something? Sure, maybe, if you want to be cynical. I also just appreciate that it was, we all gain, and that's okay. It's okay if the Democrats can tout it as a win. It's okay if the Trump administration can tout it as a win. Because sometimes when we both win, that means America wins. And I I just I'm so grateful for that. I'd like to see more of that with maybe our budget process. But I think that that is an incredibly positive trend. You know, just sitting here as an American citizen, not as a party warrior to me, the fact that we even have to debate whether it's a good thing to get this deal done is bananas. No trade agreement is ever going to be perfect. Trade is incredibly complicated. It involves all kinds of compromise because it's not just Democrats versus Republicans. We are dealing with other countries. And I think good trade relationships with Mexico and Canada are the most important thing we can do on the global stage. If we can't hang together here in North America, where we are geographically stuck with one another, we are in a world of trouble. And so I just think this was really important. And I'm I scratch my head on the political analysis about whether the speaker of the house made a big strategic error here or not. If this is good for America and it is good for us not only economically but in terms of our relationships with with our next door neighbors. That that's I'm good. That closes the book for me on the analysis here. The other positive thing that's coming out of Congress this week is the House passed on a bipartisan basis a pathway to citizenship for undocumented farm workers. This passed 260 to 165, so it was not unanimous. But previous efforts to try to figure out what we do with the fact that we all know our country is filled with people who contribute so significantly to our food production have failed. And so to see an effort move forward here, does this fix our immigration problem? No, it does not fix the system. It does not deal with the border crisis. But again, it is one good step on an issue that matters. I think it is good for America to have resources not going toward deporting people who are working our fields. And so I am thrilled that the House passed this, and I know that it has some challenges in the Senate, but I truly hope the Senate can get it together and pass this too. So I see another positive trend in our government. I guess I'll use the word government. Executive branch, Congress, I don't know. Politics. It's probably just politics. Okay. Summer is here. Pack your bag with sunscreen your emotional sport water bottle, and that steamy bee treat. But wait, don't stop there. This year, there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. 
Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods, goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high-quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash pantsuit. Dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is going by so quickly, and I had a little bit of a moment of panic about it this week. I thought to myself, I'm losing track of time. It's going so fast. It's going to be December before I know it. My kids are growing up, and I just kind of was spinning out. And I stopped, and I closed my eyes, and I pictured my last therapist, who I haven't seen since the end of 2020. But I remember the way he talked to me through these issues, and I sort of channeled his energy I put my feet on the ground and thought, this is just how time feels now. And there's nothing wrong with that or right about it. It just is. But those skills that I learned in therapy are so important to helping me take a second to celebrate what's going right and decide what I want to adjust for the rest of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, which I cannot recommend enough, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pantsuit. The second most stressful thing after planning a trip is packing for it. This is true. This is a true story. I have just told you the clothes I have don't fit. They don't go together the way I want them to or I'm missing some essential piece. And then I discovered Quince. It's my go-to for high-quality vacation essentials. Like this premium European linen dress that's going to get us all through the heat wherever we're traveling. Blouses and shorts from $30. Washable silk tops. Premium luggage options and so much more. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than their similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I got big plans for my Quince chiffon pleated skirt in Japan. They like a loose, flowy look over there to battle the heat. I will be adopting that strategy with that skirt. Pack your bags with high quality essentials from Quince. Go to quince.com slash pantsuit for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash pantsuit to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash pantsuit. I think that there is something oddly encouraging about the Justice Department's Inspector General report on the beginning of the investigation into the Trump campaign and their contacts with Russia. Okay, I know you're being like, what could possibly be encouraging about that? The coverage has been so much about... Oh, my gosh, it's like two different worlds. It's two different headlines. All the coverage is so different based on whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's just so it's like they're reading different reports. And yes, I don't disagree with that. 
However, you know, if you get into the details of the inspector general report, because as we've talked about before, there is a little bit for everybody. There's no deep state conspiracy, but there were real and continue to be real problems with the FISA process. And so I find it encouraging that Republican members of Congress, who I often don't want to give a sliver of benefit of the doubt, were not exactly wrong when they said there were huge problems with the process, the FISA process and Carter Page. Now, do I, I can't speak to their hearts. I don't know why they're talking about these problems. And I know I'm going to get emails that are that are being composed right now that are, oh, my God, Sarah, you know that they were just doing this to defend the Trump. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. But they're also just problems with the FISA process. And for better or for worse, I am glad that this arguably sort of partisan conflict brought light to these real problems with the way in which our government surveils people, including American citizens. And so, I don't know. I don't know if this falls into the a broken clock's right twice a day phrase, but I am glad that these issues are being brought to light. I am. It's encouraging. For me, the good news here is that this oversight process works. Mm. Because what the inspector general wrote here is not a partisan document. It's not one narrative. It is pretty complicated. And the overriding narrative in it is not the one that's being reported. The overriding narrative is, hey, everybody, we simply don't know what to do when we have to investigate a major presidential campaign. And I would love to comfort myself and say, well, that this has been an anomaly. We are not going to have something like this again. But nothing in the world indicates to me that that's true. I think Donald Trump is a unique candidate, but I think the way foreign governments are going to spread doubt and inject themselves into our processes is going to increase and will necessitate the investigation of future presidential campaigns. And I think the recommendations here for coming up with a process that contemplates the sensitivity of that and the potential for partisanship in it and the need for oversight in it is really good and healthy. So can we spend a minute just walking through what's actually in this report so that we kind of get our out of the two Americas conversation and into the document itself. The investigation by the FBI was opened on July 31st of 2016. The investigation was called Crossfire Hurricane. And the inspector general, in looking at all aspects of this investigation, examined over a million documents and interviewed over a hundred people. This was a very thorough and painstaking inquiry into what happened. What he concluded is that Crossfire Hurricane started because Australia told us that George Papadopoulos told one of its officials that the Trump team was going to get some information from Russia that could help with with damaging Hillary Clinton in the election. Thank you, Australia, for caring about us enough to pass that along to our government officials. At the time that they got this report, the FBI already knew that Russia might be involved with WikiLeaks, and they already knew that Russia was trying to meddle into our election. So this was another piece of information and something the FBI was already concerned about. They did not have any information from Christopher Steele at this point. 
And I think that's really important. It did not come into the picture until later. So the investigation did not launch because of anything having to do with Christopher Steele. It launched, according to the inspector general, because Australia gave us a call. Okay, Hmm. so the FBI team starts working Crossfire Hurricane. And in the course of that investigative work, they open individual investigations into Carter Page, Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, and George Papadopoulos. Three of those four people have had criminal charges filed against them and either been convicted or pled guilty to something. There are not special guidelines for opening an investigation like this one that is so closely connected with a presidential campaign from a major party. And the inspector general says, that's a problem. We need to fix it. But they followed the guidelines that existed in opening this one. And so he says, I don't see any political bias motivated with opening this investigation. They correctly label this a sensitive investigative matter. We need some more policies around opening one of those that involve the FBI notifying senior Justice Department officials. And more than that, we need more policies that go to what information the FBI shares with those officials as the investigation rolls on. There are like a lot of procedures about what happens as you open one of these, but then it's almost done. And when it's a matter so sensitive, the inspector general says, like, there should be some continued reporting. He says that the FBI appropriately used confidential human sources to interact with and record conversations with Page and Papadopoulos. But he is concerned that there wasn't a higher level of consultation within the Department of Justice, given the fact that these folks were working on the Trump campaign. And he says, again, we didn't have policy for that at the time, but we should have policy about that. So the FBI starts working on receiving permission to surveil Carter Page under FISA, but decides it needs more evidence to justify such an intrusive technique. And that is when the Steele reporting came in. The FBI had previously had a relationship with Christopher Steele. There was real disagreement about what that relationship was. The FBI viewed Christopher Steele as a human, as one of its confidential human sources. Christopher Steele viewed himself as a business person and consultant and saw his company as a client to the FBI. And this is where things start to get really messy. So at this point, Christopher Steele has worked with the FBI on things like soccer criminal issues, like things totally unrelated to politics. And what they thought about him and knew about him was a mixed bag. He had provided some useful information. Um, Not everything he had provided had been totally credible. It was clear from the beginning that the research that he was providing to them had been politically motivated. But the FBI gets information from people with agendas all the time. They deal in drug cases. They deal in white-collar crime. If the FBI just threw away information from people who have an agenda— there would never be an investigation of any case. So what they decided is, I don't. we don't have to accept this as gospel and we don't have to throw it away. We just have to take it in and vet it and use it as we roll forward. So they fold in the Steele reporting to this FISA application. What they said to the court, essentially, when they were seeking approval on FISA surveillance of Carter Page was, We know that Russia is trying to interfere in our elections, and we know that independently of anything we've learned from Christopher Steele. We know that Carter Page has a long history with Russia. 
We know that Carter Page has publicly made statements indicating that he's received money from Russia for a think tank. And here are things we have learned from the Steele reporting that connects these dots between Page and Russia's interference efforts. So lots of senior officials read this. They sign off on the application. The problem is the inspector general says the FBI did not tell those folks everything they needed to know and that they overstated the good things they knew about Christopher Steele and they omitted or inaccurately described the rest. They did not say enough about what was going on with him, how they were working together. And the allegations about Carter Page that they got from Christopher Steele that were in this FISA application were not verified in any other way. So the inspector general says there were seven big problems with that very first FISA application. So after that first application, the FBI terminates its relationship with Steele because he was out talking to media. And even though that happened, and even though as they continued to investigate, they found inconsistencies with Steele's reporting, one of the main sources Steele relied on told the FBI some things that really undermined the way Steele had talked about it in his report. The FBI continued to use that initial FISA application as the basis to renew permission to surveil Carter Page. So you have those seven original errors and then 10 more that compound as the FBI keeps getting more evidence. And the gravity of the problem here gets worse because the FBI sort of glosses over the fact that it's learning things that undermine what Steele told them and what, it, what, what they had represented to the court. And the FBI conducts its own kind of internal investigation of Steele that further undermines the validity of what he had shared, but they keep putting this in front of the court as though that's not happening. Now, the inspector general says, I don't know if this would have impacted how the senior officials who were signing off on these applications felt about them. It may be that they decided they still had enough to surveil Page without this information. We just don't know. And we don't know how it impacted the court, how much of the court's decisions relied on this information from Steele. We, we don't know. Would they have gotten the warrants? No idea. But they did this wrong, and it was, it was a big wrong in a case that everybody knew was already going to come under intense scrutiny. They were very casual about the way they sought permission to surveil Carter Page, and, and that is problematic. Also, Bruce Orr did make terrible decisions, and quite a few people at lower levels in the case kept information from senior decision makers because they worried about the investigation being politicized, and that basically insulated them from real oversight in the process. So you had people within the FBI, the inspector general says, we have no evidence that this was politically motivated, but people were going at this case hard and there were not enough points along the way for others to weigh in and say, think about this for a second. This doesn't make sense. This does not corroborate the story that we're working under here. This investigation needs to slow down. And for me, this is a really good illustration of what happens in law enforcement all the time. It's not some conspiracy because you hate a candidate. It's you're an aggressive investigator and you want to prove your case. You start working under a set of assumptions and you put your foot on the gas and you go. 
And for that to be happening when the method of investigation becomes as, as intrusive as spying on an American citizen, it's a it is a very big deal. And I would love to see this level of scrutiny applied to every case in the United States where someone ends up being incarcerated after a really aggressive investigation. I think this matters and I think it's important that it comes out and I think it's important that we all pay attention to it enough to recognize there is a huge distinction between I violated process and made errors in judgment versus I was trying to stage some kind of coup. Those are different things. And what this report says is the first happened and the second didn't. Let's take a short break and we'll dive into more news after a brief message from our sponsors. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra-concentrated, liquidless laundry detergent. It's the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and your skin, so it's good for sensitive skin. It reduces plastic waste. All of these things are true and amazing, but let's get to the heart of it. Y'all know I have a laundry system. You know it revolves around training children as young as possible to do their own laundry. Earth Breeze Sheets feels like they were invented for this. Because littles maybe sometimes struggle with those big, heavy jugs. Or maybe you worry about the pods, but here we go. Here we go, y'all. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. It's like the perfect solution. A child as young as two can handle these sheets. And even with toddlers, like you can get them involved. And this is a way to get them helping with laundry even before they could do it themselves. Ugh, God, I love it so much. Right now, our listeners can receive 40% off Earth Breeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. That's earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash pantsuit. We do quite a bit of hosting here at the Silvers household, and I think there is nothing that completes a table for dinner. Like a beautiful loaf of bread and wild grain has made that so simple because they send gorgeous loaves of sourdough bread. Lots of spins on the ingredients, but always just this fantastic, high quality, easy to bake in 25 minutes or less from frozen bread that turns out perfectly every single time. I also have to tell you about the free croissants for life that come with your wild grain orders. And those croissants make the morning, your brunch, maybe your late night snack, flaky and like you're sitting in a French cafe and they're just perfect every single time. That's what I love about Wild Grain. It's easy, it's consistent, it's fully customizable. It is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. For a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit, or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, a.k.a problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. 
Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code podcast15. about present day good things, but we have a good milestone to remember here in December. On the 15th, we are celebrating the 228th anniversary of the ratification of the first 10 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. It's Bill of Rights Day. We'll put a link in the show notes to some interesting ways that you can talk about this within your families, and especially there are lots of activities for teachers that you can use in your classrooms. I just think it's important to remember First of all, 228 years is a long time for these protections. It's also not long at all in the arc of history. And it's just kind of fun to remember that we are still a work in progress and that we have worked very hard to do some things that are pretty radical for human civilization. So hooray for Bill of Rights Day. Also, Time Magazine has named their Person of the Year. It is climate activist Greta Thunberg. And I'm so encouraged. By this choice, I think it is the right choice. I think it continues to give attention and momentum to the climate movement. I've really been thinking about this a lot. We mentioned in a previous episode that a listener emailed us and said, I wish you talked about climate more. And I've been thinking about that email constantly because the truth is I read I read the same stories everyone else does. You know, this week there was a really disturbing article about the Arctic and the scientists in the Arctic and what they're seeing and how quickly it's accelerating. And it seems like we get scientific studies and important advocacy groups releasing information that makes the top headlines regularly, be it, you know, acceleration in the Arctic or the increased impact of methane gas or the fact that birds are smaller and we don't really know why. And I never put that stuff in our list of things to talk about, and I never or rarely talk about it in the news brief. And, you know, seeing Greta's face on the cover of that magazine and having our listeners, you know, hold us to account has really got me asking myself, why? Why don't I? I think it's because it's depressing And I don't know what to say often. I want to wrap it up in a neat little bow. I want to say, as I do with other news stories, well, we'll learn more information or this is the next step in the process. And I don't have something to say like that with climate stories. And it's really hard. And, you know, when I see Greta's beautiful face on the cover of that magazine, I think, you know, She doesn't have an easy answer either, and she's still talking about it, and she's still pulling our attention back and giving us that context and pulling us out of the, you know, spin cycle of news and particularly news on social media and saying, no, this is a big thing that's happening right now, and it's going to remain a big thing, and we have to keep talking about it and looking at it and facing it, even when we can't wrap it up in a neat little bow. And, I, you know, that is 
something I so greatly appreciate about this child and her leadership. And I'm going to really focus on, you know, channeling my inner Greta in 2020 and thinking about my own choices and the sustainability of my choices and thinking about particularly our platform and how we talk about climate on this podcast and on our other platforms. And I just really so appreciate her and all the climate activists, young and old, that keep bringing attention to this. For me, I try to approach climate through the lens mostly of there's a lot that I can't do. What can I? And I don't know why, but I just don't think about talking about it as being on the top half of that list. We, If we take a long car trip, we drive our electric car. Uh, we just got our house fit for solar panels, which will go up sometime in the new year. We're composting. We're recycling. There's a piece of me that's like, well, the Silvers are doing what we can do here. Your move, Exxon. You know, <laughs> and I and I don't know. Um, I, sometimes I feel like, how can I just keep adding on information that's out of the scope of what I can actually touch? Because it keeps me motivated to think about what we can do. You're right, though, that awareness is a huge piece of it, and especially since not everybody's there. And I am glad that time made this choice to keep that issue front and center, especially in a year when they could have picked any number of other things. And when they knew that so many people would have such ugly responses to this choice, that's the the one part of this that's a real bummer for me. Because as you said, she I mean, she's a child. She's she's so young. And the way that she is treated is ridiculous. We should not ask her to be hero or villain, but I appreciate what she's doing and what lots of other people are doing and that that time decided that this issue was worthy of this recognition. You know that criminal justice reform is very close to my heart, so I am super touched by the story of Erlene Peterson. Erlene is an 80-year-old Trump supporter from Arkansas. Her daughter, granddaughter, and son-in-law were brutally tortured and murdered and robbed and dumped in a lake by Daniel Lewis Lee and another man, all in order to steal money to fund a white supremacist effort. So the facts of what happened to Erlene Peterson's family are pretty bad. Daniel Lewis Lee was sentenced to the death penalty. The person who did this with him and who was arguably the leader of the effort was not sentenced to the death penalty. And there are lots of issues, as with almost any criminal case, and how all of this unfolded. The federal government under Attorney General Barr would like to start enforcing the death penalty again. We have people who have been sentenced to the death penalty, but we've not executed someone in 17 years in the United States. But Attorney General Barr just thinks it is time to get that machine moving again. And Daniel Lewis Lee is the first person scheduled to be executed. But Erlene does not want that. And she is asking courts and the president himself to intervene. She said, it would shame my daughter that someone has to die for her. And I think that is the most beautiful sentiment expressed under the most horrific circumstances possible. And lawyers are working very hard. The courts have stayed this execution because of the method the federal government is using right now. In all of these cases, it's it's difficult to know how and when this will be resolved. But for someone who is 
in her 80s and has had to grieve for so long with just such awful circumstances, it really makes the point, and one of the advocacy organizations involved here said this, who does this serve for this man to be executed? When the victim's family is saying, this does not serve us, who is this going forward in the name of? And I think that that really brings the conversation about the death penalty to the forefront in an important way. And I am very grateful to Arlene Peterson for her leadership on this. It reminds me of another really positive, I hope this is a trend. There was the exoneration of three men in Baltimore. And that's positive. And any time a person who did not commit a crime gets out of jail, that's great. But what I thought was so positive was that the the way that this exoneration came to be was from a task force set up by the prosecutor's office. It mm-hmm. wasn't an innocence project or anything like that. The prosecutor herself was like, we need to start looking back at what we got wrong. And more of that, that's a really positive trend. You know, I do think that criminal justice is such a space we can all look to on both sides of the aisle and see hope. And it's just that's the word for it. It's hope. It's not perfect. It's not solved. Too many people still suffer inside our criminal justice system. But to look and see both sides acknowledging that there's a problem and trying to come together to improve the situation is, you know, something we all we all should acknowledge and take great hope from. And and I just think it's a, a an important thing for the human spirit for someone to be able to say this person did this. I believe he is guilty and I believe he should spend the rest of his life in prison and I believe that he should not be killed. There's just something important in that, I think, being able to hold all those things together. So I'm I am really encouraged by this story and the one that you shared and lots of others across the country. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today as we, you know, try to look at positive trends and good news as we wrap up the year. We will be sharing our favorite episode of the year. Well, really, truly your favorite episode of the year next week. And then, of course, we'll have a Democratic debate before we take the next two weeks off to be with our families over the holiday break. And we hope you will do the same until we're in your ears again on Tuesday. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Our executive producers are Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, David McWilliams, Joshua Allen, Linda Rucker, Martha Bernatsky, Melanie Cravey, and Tiffany Hassler. Our theme music is composed and performed by Dante Lima. The music under our ads is composed and performed by Dylan Garvin. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.